This episode of the Power Connect Podcast is brought to you by Solar Foundations USA. Closing a deal isn't nearly as hard as finding the right people to be out in the field that want to learn, they want to do a good job, and are reliable and will show up to work on time and every day. That's been a challenge. And I think that's not just a challenge for us. I think it's a challenge for a lot of a lot of people, a lot of industries, and a lot of companies here in the United States and probably around the world. I don't know. I but, you know, it's, it's just it's been difficult to find the right mix of the responsibility, the dependability, really the, the smarts enough to do it, what we do. Welcome into the Power Connect podcast. I'm your host, Fred Davis. Episode 41 of the show happening on this Thursday. Dad gum, we're almost through the end of the month of September. What a month it's been, what a year it's been, what a ride it's been here on the Power Connect podcast. We've got a huge announcement going down next week. Make sure you tune in for that. I'm very excited about it, and I know you will be too, so make sure you stick around for that. And of course, uh, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Fred Davis, the Power Connect, follow the podcast, all that good stuff. Apple, Spotify, you know the drill. Let's get right down to today's episode. I'm excited about it. One, Mr. Devin Paris, sales director over at Solar Foundations USA. And some conversations you have, you know, look, you have conversations like we did with Mr. Robert Jensen, where you're kind of just sitting there after you're done going, wow, I need to decompress after that. And then you have conversations like we, I did with Mr. Devin Paris, where you understand why the solar, renewable, clean tech space is just so much fun to be in because of people like Devin Paris. Just A, for starters, an all-around good human being. I thoroughly enjoyed getting to meet Devin. This was kind of a you know couple-month process of he and I uh, getting to know each other a little bit. And of course, they're a new member of Clean Techs. And so through that process... Uh, making that happen, and then, of course, getting a chance to sit down with him. He was taking some time in Houston to meet with some of his vendors, some of his business clients, and so he and I had a chance to sit down for about an hour, hour and a half, talk a little life, talk a little bit about business, and just kind of what's next in this space, and it was just an absolutely fantastic conversation. And again, for all you out there that uh, are dealing with teenage drivers, uh, as Dev and I can allude to, our hearts go out to you as well. And all you insurance companies out there, well, uh, it's God's work you're doing. Is it God's work you're doing? Hey, look, in any event, I'll tell you what, it's God's work you're doing uh, when it comes to those premiums, and we'll just leave it at that, and my boy Devin knows what I'm talking about. But as far as the conversation between he and I go, solar foundations, uh, the racking systems, what that means, again, not necessarily rooftop solar, but ground 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 systems and what all that entails. And so he gets into that, how his career started in the solar uh, business 13 years ago. And of course, being a sales guy. And of course, look, sales is sales, right? So whether it's a solar business, whether it's oil and gas, whether it's cars, it doesn't matter. All right. Sales is its own beast. And so we talk a little bit about that whole aspect. And of course, what's made him a good salesperson over these last 13 years. And then of course, what's kind of on the horizon and from a labor perspective, how that challenge has reared its ugly head over these last few months as they continue to ratchet up across the country and what Solar Foundations USA, being an American-made company, how they've been able to rely on those American-made products and, and resources that have kind of put them ahead of the pack, so to speak, in their particular business. So it was a great conversation. I promise you, you're going to learn something from it. And of course, for all you solar folks out there that have been doing it for a while, there's going to be a lot of what Devin talks about that you can relate to as well. So a great conversation. Please welcome to the program, Mr. Devin 
Paris. 13 years ago, I answered an ad on LinkedIn and went down to uh, Annapolis Junction, Maryland and met with Astrum Solar. And they handed me a two-page brochure, said I was hired on the, right on the spot, learn what I have to learn off this brochure and go out and sell solar. And uh, that was my entree into the into the solar world, and it was uh, it was an it was an interesting it was an interesting time, it, especially back then in solar. You know, it was it was much different back then than it is now. You know, it was more a bit of the wild west. People, a lot of people out in the in the industry were saying whatever they needed to say to to you know get the business. You know, there were still a lot of state incentives. Available renewable energy credits were uh, were a huge incentive in Pennsylvania and in New Jersey. You know, making those sales was tough because we didn't have financing. Everything we did was cash. Um, nowadays, you have leases. You have a lot of different finance companies offering different incentives and, and uh, you know different financing packages. Back then, it was you know this is a, a ten kilowatt system. It's going to cost you sixty thousand dollars. Would you like to pay with cash or credit card? <laughs> We prefer cash. <laughs> so, how hard was it to make those sales then, too? Because I mean, let's call it what it is, and and you know, for a majority of this audience that listens, I mean, you know, and and you know, I mean, you've been in sales long enough to know. I mean, it's closing a deal is always, uh, you know, a, a, a deal of its own. Getting people to buy into solar thirteen years ago when it wasn't the thing to do like it is now. Yeah, and so back then we had a lot of people that were very forward thinking. Uh, so in earlier in the earlier in the solar uh, the solar cycle, I guess you would call it, the people that we were getting interested, uh, you know, interested buyers from or out in the solar space, they were really looking for or looking to be the first ones on their block with solar. They were looking to promote solar. They, you know, I had a lot of people that were customers that were advocates. They would go out and they would talk to friends. We would do open houses at their house. And uh, they would bring all of their neighbors in to look at their solar system. And we would, we would jump onto their monitoring system. You know, they had an end-phase monitoring system. And they would, they would show everybody their, their, you know, power production for the day and how this panel is underproducing because there's a bird sitting on it right now or something like that. You know, it was, it was an interesting way for, for people to get interested in, the sol- in solar. So, you know, it, it was one of those, one of those things where you, you didn't really know that, it was harder to sell. It was just hard to sell yeah. at the time to just about everybody with the exception of those that were truly interested in solar at the time. Nowadays, you could walk down the block and, and you know, knock on somebody's door, I guess, and, and uh, it would be a different story because they're all pissed off about their, their electricity bill and their, you know, five of their neighbors have solar. They might as well get it, you know, and they're looking for the best deal. Back then, it was, it was really the, the, early, the early adopters were really the ones that, that that took off uh, early with the solar and, and really kind of drove the industry. How has the market evolved? Because I know you talked about back in those days, you know, people would say anything and I know there's, st- I mean, look, there's always going to be bad actors, no matter what industry you're in. Let's not, you know, try to uh, scapegoat solar by any means, but how <laughs> has the sales pitch changed when it comes to solar? I don't know that the sales pitch has really changed all that much. I mean, we still have an, in, in, uh, an investment tax credit, you know, it still makes sense in almost well in most markets when you're looking at the cost of electricity versus the cost of owning a solar system and how quickly it's going to 
I hate to say pay for itself, but it's basically, you know, you're, you're looking at the, you're looking at the costs after your, your tax credit and you're saying, okay, well, my electricity bill is X and after, you know, 20 or 50 or, you know, 200 electricity bills, my, you know, my system has basically paid for itself over that amount of time. And, and it's different in every market because of the cost of electricity from market to market. In, in New Jersey, uh, where I'm at, that was a relatively short amount of time. Uh, right now, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of five years, six years. I, I don't know exactly, to be honest, but I'm, I'm just making a guess. In, in terms of when I put my solar system on, uh, a return of investment was roughly about four years. And then, of course, when you throw net metering in, into play, too, you know, yeah. where you can sell back to the grid, I mean, that obviously adds another dynamic that was, I don't know, that was maybe was there when you started out selling it or it, still kind of, like you said, in that Wild Wild West period. It was. So the net metering was there. It was relatively new. And uh, they really didn't know what they didn't know about net metering back then. <laughs> So, and there were, there were some areas where, you know, I was selling into, they didn't even really have a good way to do net metering. So I know that there's, there's plenty of areas out there that, that net metering has become an issue, you know, and, and that's just evolved over time. You know, there's some markets like New Jersey and Pennsylvania have been a little bit more forward on that. I think, you know, California has been it's got a little contentious in California. It has. It has. The net metering in California has been been very contentious as, as it has been in, in uh, Florida as well. You know, I know they're, they're they've worked with a lot of stakeholders to, to kind of sort things out. But I, I know that there's there's plenty of people that are upset about, you know, the way that net metering has gone. You know, I'm not a net metering expert by any means but you know i know that it's a big factor when you're when you're factoring up the the cost of a solar system and, and what, how long it's going to take for it to return your investment to you so you sell rooftop solar you start doing it in 09 you must have been pretty good at it because you stuck with it for these number of years when did you make that move over to solar foundations and kind of how did that evolution work out so in 2000 god i don't even remember 2012 2013 i guess i got out of the the retail space and went to the b2b space to work for another company that was selling racking systems we did both roof and ground mount racking systems I was able to, I was, I was, it was interesting because I, it was a, it was a new venture for me into a, a new space uh, on the racking side, but it was, it, it really kind of set off a lot of the, um, a lot of the, the, you know, the button, it pushed a lot of buttons for me basically, because I was able to not only sell the racking system, but I was also able to be involved in the design of the racking system. And uh, I actually took our roof rail and pushed it through 2703 and got it certified as a, as a, a UL 2703 certified rail. And uh, that enabled us to sell to um, small commercial because they're always looking for uh, UL certified products to go on these buildings. It's so a real quick, just for the uh, novices and neophytes like myself out there, uh, and obviously you and I have already talked a little bit, but, but just kind of just for the base understanding of the racking system, and then what is a 2703? So the UL 2703 is basically, it's a, it's a certification from UL 
that your your roof rail isn't going to cause any electrical problems with the home. It's going to be able to sustain, you know, being hit by lightning and not you're not blowing apart. It's not. It's going to be able to hold, withstand not only the the weight of the panels but the weight of snow and wind. It, it handles the upload and the, and the download and the uplift. And then it also, um, there's a fire component to it. The, the fire component, I think, is one of the more important parts because going into it, I didn't realize that the lower you got the system to the roof space or to the roof structure, the faster the fire accelerated underneath the, underneath the panels. It was pretty interesting to watch. You know, trying to engineer the system to not accelerate a, a fire that's on the exterior of the home underneath the solar panels and, and accelerate the, the, the burning of the shingles and into the, into the structure uh, was a bit of a challenge. You know, it was, it, was interesting to, it was interesting to learn about that. It was even more interesting to work with the engineers to figure out a solution for it. And uh, once we figured out a solution, we got certified on the uh, UL certification for the electrical and on the, on the fire as well as the structural. You were, what, 3940 when you started your uh, yeah. solar career? Man after my own heart since I'm 41. You know, you had done construction. You had done real estate. What was it about solar and that whole industry that kind of, you know, pushed the buttons that you needed to push career-wise? Um, initially it was a job <laughs> to be honest, to be honest with you, it was a job. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, when I answered that ad, I had been out of work for a couple months, you know, the, the construction company I worked for had shut down after the, after that big recession in, in 08, you know, I answered the ad, you know, I was just happy to have a job and be out there and working again. And then the more I, the more I worked at this job, the more I worked in this industry, the more I began to understand it and and really love it. The people I've met in this industry, they're just some of the some of the greatest people I've I've ever met in my life. You know, they're they're just solid people. They're they're nice. They're helpful. They want to learn. They want to help other people learn. And I think that's that's really what kind of draws you in. You know, that eventually we're all in this to to do something that's good for the good for the country. It's good for the planet. It's it's. It's just kids. good. Yeah, good for all of our kids, you know, and, and we can look back on it and say, I was part of the solution, not part of the problem. As I got more into this industry and the more I, the more I worked in it, the more I loved it. And uh, so I, I can't think of another industry to go to where I could, I could feel as good as I do every night about going to bed, knowing that I'm doing something to help the problem, not create more of it. How did the marriage with Solar Foundations come about? So um, the other company I was working for, uh, they actually made a shift. They owned the, the company I was working for, and they also owned a battery manufacturer. The batteries at the time were just starting to come off the, you know, start, starting to take off. And uh, their profit margins were three times higher on batteries than they were on racking systems. So they decided they were going to make a shift, and uh, they were going to put more of their money into the battery systems instead of the racking systems and at that point i was i, I had to find someplace else to go um why not I, go <coughs> excuse me why not go with the uh the battery side i i thought about doing that um i just i'm not an electrical guy okay. i'm more of a, a structural guy okay and uh a lot of what they were talking about was just flying at thirty feet, thirty thousand feet over my head, and I, I just decided, you know what, I, I can keep up, but I don't know if I can stay ahead. 
Solar Foundations was was more of a, a more of a fit to begin with. I already knew the guys at Solar Foundations. We had been competitors for a while, uh, but we were friendly. We talked, and uh, when they found out that uh, that I was leaving my other company, uh, they they happily scooped me up, and uh, so I, I came on board with Solar Foundations in 2019, and haven't looked back. It's it's been it's been a fantastic ride so far. I mean, the, these guys are amazing. The what they do and how they do it. I, I could never be a, I could never be an installer because I don't know that I could do what they do every single day and be as good at what they do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my hat's off to the guys that are out there in the field doing these installations every day. So who is Solar Foundations? So Solar Foundations is a uh, racking manufacturer. We are a, we're really kind of a niche manufacturer. So we manufacture residential ground mount and racking systems as well as canopies and carports and we specialize in residential small commercial 350 kw and under and that's really our niche so when you look at all of the all of the solar sales that are going on around the country um it's really uh, what we do is really about seven percent of the overall sales of solar uh it's a in residential solar and it's it's very very small percentage um, and we're, we're fine with that. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a big market. I think we're one of the only companies in the country that does what we do. We manufacture our own racking systems right here in the United States and we install them in the, in the, in the markets that we serve. So we serve the entire East coast from Maine all the way down to Florida. We have uh, crews based in New York, Delaware, and Florida, as well as Texas and Illinois. So we service all of those territories um, seamlessly. Uh, we have we have warehouses, crews, and uh, offices in all of those states. On average, how many panels do you guys need to put in one of y'all's ground systems? Uh, Sixty to maybe one hundred and twenty panels, depending on the size of the system. Oh, wow. Okay. So you know we can do. We're. I was just quoting out a job today that was a fifty kilowatt ground mount system for a residential customer. So you know that's one hundred and twenty six panels. Most of them are much smaller than that. You know, sixty panels is going to put you somewhere in the in the twenties. If you're in the you know thirty to forty panel range, you're in the twelve kilowatt range. And that's really about the average is about twelve to fifteen kilowatts. Of, uh, of solar system in the backyard. You know, that's, that's about the size that, that most, that the average customer is getting is 12 to 15 kW. Okay. You guys had a great year last year. I'm guessing now with the passage of the IRA and you guys being an American, born and raised American company, things have got to be, I mean, things were already looking up, but I got to imagine that that train is full steam ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so 95% of the, the components in our system are manufactured and uh, processed here in the United States. Uh, our, our main office where we do a lot of our, uh, our manufacturing is in New York. You know, we, we bring in rails. We have, we have an extruder. We have multiple extruders around the country that are U.S. companies that extrude our rails. We have companies that, uh, that make the tube for us here in the United States. Um, there's only two small pieces of pipe that we import from overseas. comes in from the UAE, so it's not even coming from, you know, the Asian market. But, you know, we also have sources here in the U.S. that can, if, if somebody has a need for 
U.S. made product. We have sources here that we can provide that. It's obviously going to be a slightly more expensive, right. but not, not, it's, not a, it's not a deal breaker. Chances are there's a tax credit for it now, too. Yeah, chances are it's <laughs> offset, right? So, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's that. So, we, we, being a U.S. made manufacturer, we didn't get impacted by a lot of delays from overseas, you know, bringing product over and not having, you know, not having the inventory that we needed to, to do our installation. So, we kept all of our customers pretty much on track with their installations, um, you know, making sure that we had enough product in the door. Um, sometimes I think it was luck. Sometimes, you know, depending on who you who you ask, the, the guy that's ordering the stuff, yeah, it was all planned out, you know, looking from outside. It could have been luck. But, hey, I'll, we'll call it a good job for the guy that was ordering all of our product when he was ordering it because it got there on time. Something to be said for uh, Made in America, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we... What, what a crazy concept. <laughs> when you need it and it's here, uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 something different. And, and uh, you know I, know, I know a lot of our competitors ran out of product. They ran out of, you know, they're waiting for stuff to come in that's sitting in, you know, one of the customs lots in Los Angeles or New York or wherever. We didn't have those issues. We just didn't have those problems because all we had to worry about was a truck picking up from, you know, the the extruder in Pennsylvania and delivering it down to our shop in Del- in Delaware. We weren't as impacted by a lot of the, the slowdowns that, that happened during uh, during the shutdown during Corona the coronavirus. So we were we were less impacted, which which meant that we were able to stay on track and we actually garnered quite a bit more business as a result of uh, being able to stay ahead of that curve. Well, you said you like those solar foundation guys anyway when you, uh, when you came over here. So obviously you guys Smart are doing guys. something right. There's, let me tell you, I, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the room by any means. And when I'm up there talking with them, I know I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Uh, they say that's the best room to be in, though, right? It they is. They say when you're the smartest guy in the room, it's time to get out. Yeah, yeah. because if I'm the smartest guy in the room, there's a problem with the room. <laughs> <laughs> We're both in trouble right now, then. So I don't know what you and I are going to do. Um, you guys just now, you know, being, you know, going from Maine to Florida. So obviously, you guys have been, you know, doing your thing on the East Coast and clearly are doing things at a high level on that side of, uh, of the United States. You and I are here in Houston right now. Um, I know just from conversations you and I have had over the last month or two. You guys are, you know, got new operations here in the state of Texas. Have you guys been in Texas for a while? And I got to believe that, you know, I mean, look, it's Texas. We know how enormous this state is. We know that sunshine is abundant uh, yep. here in the good old state of, of, of uh, Texas. What's this market been like for you guys so far? So far, it's, it's, it's been a mixed bag for us, okay. to be honest with you. You know, we have our installation team based out of Pasadena, right just south here in Houston. Pasadena, get down, Dina. Absolutely. <laughs> I know Stankadina all too well. <laughs> so, yeah, we're based out of Pasadena, Texas. You know, we're able to handle kind of the triangle. Houston, Dallas, Austin, uh, San Antonio, kind of cover that triangle. Trying to get outside of that triangle is a little difficult for us because of the, the distance. Everything, you know, Texas is a big state. Trying to get across the state to say Lubbock to to do an installation, it, it's it, it becomes too expensive. You know, I mean, we could do it 
And, uh, you know, if the customer was willing to pay for our, our team to drive from Pasadena, Houston, all the way out to Lubbock, it's just a long distance for them. So we're, we're actually looking at uh, putting another crew, either New Mexico or Utah, that can service the western half of Texas okay. uh, in an in a easier way. We try and keep the crews within about four to five hours of their home location, just because it gets very expensive. If they're having to drive two days to get someplace... That's two days of unproductive work. So they're just in the truck driving, paying for hotel rooms and food and everything else to get to the job site, not a, and then spend an entire day or two on the job site and then turn around and spend you know two more days coming back. It's just very expensive. We try and stay within the, the little triangles and the, the, the regions that we've set up for each of our install, install teams. How's that business been? Because like you said, you talked about the metro area, but again, the thing about Texas though is that you do have a lot of suburbia in Dallas, in Houston, in San Antonio, I mean, Austin, like you got a lot of suburbia and rural areas that need some solar foundations. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's why we're here. You know, we're working with several solar installers here in, in the Houston area. Uh, we're working with some in, in basically in each one of those markets, uh, Houston, Dallas, Austin, and San Antonio and everything in between. We're working with several different installers, some larger regional some mom and pop, you know, smaller installers, and hey, we'll work with anybody. You know, we have some national accounts as well that that, that are sending us business here in, in the state of Texas, which is great. But yeah, there's there's plenty of rural areas in this triangle space to to keep us busy for for several years. In the last couple of years, we've seen the calls come into our office escalate. Before that, we may have gotten maybe one or two calls a, a you know every six months maybe for a for a system in in texas really yeah it was very few we got very few calls for for systems in texas one because we weren't here we didn't service the space okay gotcha and two because we didn't have a lot of our customers in this space so some of our customers from the northeast have opened offices here or you know we have we have customers all the way down into Florida so some of the Florida companies have have opened offices here in in uh, in Texas yeah. and vice versa some of the companies that were here in Texas opened offices in Florida and started using us in Florida because we were already there and then when Texas started going you know gangbusters here they were able to to bring us over and and you know start having us do installs for them here in Texas so we've had that that ongoing increase in business as a result of what's happened over the last couple of years. And so we opened an office out in uh, Pasadena, what, October? I, th I believe it was October of last year. Okay. And they were slowly coming on board, and, and we've slowly been filling up their schedule. You know, we try and grow organically. We're not trying to really dump a ton of money into the into marketing and, and really doing a whole lot of, uh, you know, excessive things to try and generate business right. just simply because we've seen that happen before where companies go in and they, they, you know, they try and do radio ads and, and, you know, they're doing all kinds of different, uh, you know, banners and marketing and, and all kinds of different things to try and generate business. And at the end of the day, they spend so much money that the amount of business they generate doesn't, doesn't warrant it. Yeah. So we've been very organic in the way that we've grown. Um, so I come out here every few weeks, I come out, I meet with some clients. I, you know, prospect for new ones. I, you know, talk with lots of lots of solar installers, 
um, you know, I'm working with another, with a roof mount company that's a manufacturer that only manufactures roof mounts. And we're going to start trying to do some joint marketing and some same happy hours and things like that to, to generate some business, just, you know, try and see if that works. You know, as long as we are not competitors, you know, it's all good. Hardest part of your job is? Oh, flying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the, you know, the, the hardest part of my job is, is finding the new customers. So part of finding the new customers is me being in a new state on a continual basis. So I'm in Texas, I'm in Florida. Um, I'll be in New York looking for new clients. I'll be in Maryland. I'll be in South, South Carolina, North Carolina. You, you, it's 23 states. So, you know, you, you can kind of throw a dart at a map and I might be there at some point to try and find new clients for the company. Um, we've been focusing mainly on Texas and Florida over the last, uh, God, I want to say six to eight months. So I've mainly been bouncing back and forth between Florida and Texas. It makes it hard not, you know, not being home all the time. That's the hardest part of my job. B2B sales, you've been doing this for a while now. And just I'm going to just ask you from a sales perspective, right? Because again, look, whether you're, I don't care what industry you're in, B2B is, is its own beast. What do you find is the most underrated sales aspect of b2b when you're trying to close a client so when we're when i'm talking to a client and they're all about wanting to know the price per watt what's the what's the price per watt give me the give me the numbers they want to they want to hear all the numbers but what they don't and, and it's it's my job and i and i try and do it as best i can sometimes i don't do it very well i, I have to admit but most of the time i'm able to convey it that it's not just about the price per watt. It's about what we can do to help you earn the money to make that price per watt almost negligible. So we come in and we put in the, the ground screws, we hang the steel and we put up the rails and we can do all of that in two to three hours. Whereas their crews would be out there and they might bounce back and forth between that job site for a week trying to put together this giant tinker set and tinker toy set in somebody's backyard. And so we take all that pain out of that process for them. Their crews just have to show up and put the panels on. And yeah, there's a price involved with it. But when you start looking at the cost of us doing it versus the cost of them doing it themselves, it's almost a wash. Uh, sometimes we're, we can come in a little bit less expensive depending on the cost of concrete, the cost of labor. Yeah. And even then, it might make sense for us to, for them to have us come in and do it just because we can get them to their next milestone payment that much faster. If they're using some kind of financing platform to, to put the system, you know, to pay for the system for the customer, those platforms have certain milestones where they get a certain percentage up front and they get a certain percentage after, after the, the permits are done and then they get a certain percentage after substantial completion. So we can actually move them to substantial completion faster because our crews can be out there quicker. They're not waiting for the material to come in for their guys to learn and understand how to put that racking system together. They're not waiting for concrete to dry. They literally call us up. We can be out there. We put the system in and they have, they're able to send their crews out and put the, put the panels on these systems and move themselves towards that substantial completion portion that much faster. 13 years in the game, agent experience, notwithstanding what's made you a better salesperson now than when you started. 
the continual screw ups. I don't know if I think <laughs> to be honest well, with they you. Say if you're not learning from your failures, you're not doing it right. Well, that's it. You're right. You, you got to fail a few times in order to, to you know, to get better. And, and um, you know, I, I fail all the time and I learn from it all the time. I'm, I'm I don't think I'm a you know, I don't think I'm the best sales guy in the world. And I, I certainly don't want to carry that moniker. Um, you know, I, I fail plenty of times and I, I look at it and I go, okay, well, I reflect on it. What did I do wrong? Okay. Well, don't do that again. You know, and you, you have that constant battle with yourself and you, you know, it's a, it's habit. So you, you do it a few times, you do it wrong a few times, you yell at yourself a few times and then you get it right. And, uh, it's, it's constant learning. And that's what I love about, you know, the sales aspect of it. I'm always learning something, you know, this, this IRA bill that just got, this just got passed. I haven't had a chance to really sit down and and go through the, the solar portion of it. I'm anxious to, to read through it. I know Sia's done, um, kind of an extensive, uh, deep dive into it. So I want to take a look at the, what Sia has written up, but I've just been, I've been running for the last almost six months, uh, from, from, state to state city to city and I'm, I'm looking forward to sitting down for a little bit and, and getting a chance to go through it and and learn you know it's it's something it's something new it's something interesting it's something that's going to drive our our industry and i want to know more about it i know we've uh, we'll start winding this thing down um you know you mentioned having labor crews uh you know throughout the throughout the country um obviously finding devon parishes are hard to do uh but it's also hard to find good good workers right and oh, yeah. i know you and i have talked about a couple of, you know you you guys have some some rock stars you know that, that work for you obviously how hard is it harder to close a deal or is it harder to find good labor right now it's harder to find good labor you know, closing a deal isn't nearly as hard as finding the right people to be out in the out in the field that want to learn. They want to do a good job um, and are reliable and are reliable and will show up to work on time and every day. That's been a challenge. And I think that's not just a challenge for us. I think it's a challenge for a lot of a lot of people, a lot of industries and a lot of companies here in the United States and probably around the world. I don't know. I, but, you know, it's it's just it's been difficult to find the right mix of the responsibility, the dependability, and the really the the smarts enough to do what what we do. You know, when we when we bring on an install team, they have to be smart enough to kind of figure things out on their own out in the field because sometimes they work in areas where they don't have cell coverage, and so they have to they have to rely on themselves to be able to figure out a problem. You know, we try and mitigate as many problems or any potential problems as they they could have up front through engineering. But, you know, you just never know when a rock is going to kick, you know, kick a ground screw over, you know, six inches to a foot. And then what do you do? You know, fortunately, we have rock drills on our trucks, so we can we can mitigate some of that. But, you know, there's always there's always going to be something that comes up. So we have to have guys that are that are capable of adapting on you know, out in the field and, and making those those calls and, and being able to make sure that they get the thing done right. Um, one thing we pride ourselves on is you could look at a system that we didn't, we've installed in New York. You can look at one in Florida. You can w- look at one in Texas. And if you looked at all three of them, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the installation method because all of our installers follow the same installation method throughout our entire system 
It's like a McDonald's cheeseburger. No matter where you go, it's gonna always taste the same. Exactly. That's exactly it. And that's and that's what we pride ourselves on. You know, we we think we have one of the strongest, well-built systems on the market. We don't accept failure. So if there's if there's a problem with one of our systems going in and it's not it's not done right, you know, they're gonna they're gonna tear it down and they're gonna start over again. I have yet to see that happen in the time I've been here with Solar Foundations, they have not had to do that. So it's it's just consistency. It's the guys do their job, they do it well, they know exactly what they have to do, and they're in and out in a short amount of time getting it done right. TSA pre, yay or nay? Oh, yay. Yeah, definitely yay. Let me tell you, TSA pre-check has been Can you imagine life without it? No, I can't. I can't because I can't tell you how many times I've showed up to the to the airport with 45 minutes till my plane's going to take off, praying to God that I can make it through pre-check and and get to the the gate on time. And sure enough, I sail right through. Thank God, and I get to my my plane and I'm off. But I, I uh, yeah, without pre-check, I'd be dead in the water. I'd still be sitting in somewhere in Chicago or you know Oklahoma waiting for my plane because I missed it three times. <laughs> Favorite airport, least favorite airport. Ooh, good, good one. Um, my favorite airport. I would have to say my favorite airport so far has been um, West Palm Beach. So interesting, interestingly enough, that is a very small airport. Hardly anybody in there, you know. You, and you can you can make it through security in a in a hot second. And the you're not walking a mile to get to your gate. Okay. It's a it's a short walk in. It's a short walk through security, and it's a short walk to your gate. I like that. My least favorite airport. I would have to say my least favorite airport is LAX. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Trying to get into LAX, not let alone make it make it through security and everything else and get to your gate. Just getting onto the grounds of the of LAX could take you you know half an hour or more. Because you're in a long line of people waiting to get through, yeah. uh, you know, into the parking structure. <laughs> then you're dealing with all the TMZ. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's all that, all that damn paparazzi. <laughs> Last thing, get you out of here with this. You know, the beauty of the, the solar slash renewable industry is that, you know, look, very few people sought out to do it, right? There's yeah. a lot, I, I don't want to say very few, but there's a good portion of folks like you, like myself, who have done other things in the world and then found our way into the renewable clean tech space, whatever you want to call it. You're with a tremendous organization and solar foundations. What's kind of on the, I'm guessing it's, you know, status quo remains for 2022. What's on tap for 2023 and, you know, what's kind of on uh, outside of, you know, wanting to kick your your feet up and maybe uh, (laughs) take a break here very soon. What's Devin Parrish and solar foundations uh, looking like in the next six to 12 months? So in the next six to 12 months, I'm going to be focusing on Texas still. Uh, Texas and Florida are still very hot markets for us because we have the capacity for our install crews here in these two states. You know, we've, we've still got capacity on our install schedule. We can, fit more, we can fit more jobs in, and the crews are anxious to get more jobs in on their, on their schedules on, you know, and fill them up for, you know, a month to two months. Uh, right now, we're running about two, three, four weeks at the most, but... Once we are kind of there, and it's we're getting close, we're not quite there, but as we get closer, we're looking at opening up other markets. So it's right now Texas is as far west as we go, but we're we've started 
looking at in our kind of sourcing installers for, uh, you know, New Mexico, Arizona, uh, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, and Southern California. So those are our next markets that we're looking at um, that we would hopefully be able to open up in 2023. And then, you know, from there, once we make that jump into those markets, I think it'll be a little bit easier for us to move kind of north up towards the northwest. But for right now, we're just going to focus on Texas and Florida, and, and we might be dabbling in the Southern California kind of southwest market a little bit more uh, starting in 2023. For any solar installers or anybody that's out there, whether you're a laborer, whether you're an installer, or whatever, you know, what part of the aisle you fall on, where can they find out more about solar foundations, whether they want to, you know, you know, be a contractor with you and, and, and work on that end or put in the, uh, the racking systems one in one form or another. So, yeah, I mean, if, if there's anybody out there that's interested in uh, working with us, go to our website. Our website is, you know, the www, obviously, Solar Foundations with an S, USA. So it's solarfoundationsusa.com. You can take a look at the different styles of racking systems that we have available, uh, canopy systems, carports. We give you a little bit of a rundown on how our installation process is. We have a video on there of what, our, what it looks like for a solar system to actually be installed. And then there's a contact us button. Feel free to hit that contact us button. Let us know what you're thinking. You know, give us an idea of you know, where you're at what type of system you're looking to install. If you're a solar company and you, you need help with your, your grand mount systems, we'd be happy to help you with that. If you're an installer and you have some experience with, uh, with installing grand mount systems, please give us a call. If you're in the New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, or Nevada market, give us a ring. and We'd, we'd be happy to talk with you about uh, potentially doing some installations for us out in those, out in those territories. Thank you so much for that, Mr. Devin Paris. You can catch all of the Power Connect episodes over at Apple, Spotify, and on the website, thepowerconnect.net. And of course, if you listen to us on Apple, and a lot of you do, let's call it what it is, leave us a five-star rating, listen to the entire show, helps with the algorithm and with all the charts and all that good stuff, and with the downloads, because hey, that's what we're after, right? Uh, and of course, you know, look, you want to become a podcast partner, let me know, fred at thepowerconnect.net. Also, too, make sure you follow us on LinkedIn, Fred Davis and or the Power Connect, either one one works. But again, you can never go wrong with following me on LinkedIn. Got some great episodes coming up. Magnus Thomason, uh, CEO, co-founder of Highstar, a electrolyzer company over in Norway, uh, talking about the advancements they're making. And then, of course, Brad Wills from over at Schneider Electric. He's been doing this for a long time. We're going to talk to him. And uh, a conversation I'm very excited about coming up, too. Mr. Matt DeLorenzo, longtime scribe when it comes to all things automotive. He has a great book out about how you can buy EVs on the cheap. Or eh, cheap's maybe not the right word, but how you can buy one a little more inexpensively than what they're being sold for right now. So definitely make sure you stick around for that. So a lot of good stuff coming up. And then, of course, as we said, big announcement coming up next week that I'm excited about, and I know you will be too. So thank you to everybody. Want to shout out once again to my boy Devin Paris, Solar Foundations USA. Thank you for all the guests, to the audience, and everybody for tuning into the program. This has been the Power Connect Podcast, connecting the energy transition one conversation at a time. Wake up, all the builders, time to build a new land. I know we could do it if we all end up.